Welcome to the C3 Silicon Valley Church Podcast. Senior pastors Adam and Kira Smalcom are so excited to share this message with you and believe that God will speak to you through it. Here at C3SV, we know that God has the best in store for you today and every day. I want you to open up this morning in the book of Jonah. Let's go to the book of, of Jonah as we kind of continue in our our Vision Builder series, we're on this mission to get vision ready, where we're getting vision prepared. And, uh, you know, we, we're kind of in, it's, I, I kind of see it as pre-season training that we're in the midst of. Uh, any, anybody like to work out here? Any, any gym people? You know, sometimes you change it up each week. Last week was kind of like we were doing arms. This week's like chest and legs, okay? It's, it's going to hurt, all right? But embrace the pain, right? No one's, no one's keen on that. Just a few weeks ago, we kicked off the series uh, with a message called Too Legit to Quit. How many people were here for that? Where we spoke about not, not stopping short of Jesus' best for your life. How many people know that's a good message? You don't want to stop short of what God has his best. You know, sometimes we settle for good, but God has better than good. God has his best. And man, sometimes God's plan is too legit to quit, Right? And uh, then last week, we, I preached a sermon that, that I changed the name of. I, I changed the name to the original Bad Boys. That was the name of the sermon last week. And we looked at, at faith being risk. And we looked at the story of Jonathan and his armor bearer. How many people remember this? Jonathan and his armor bearer uh, from 1 Samuel, how, how, how they took some risks for God. But, but often what we call faith, the, the world calls risk. Sometimes God calls us to have some risk, Yeah. This morning we're going to continue and draw from the story of Jonah as we take this next step in getting vision ready. And it says this in Jonah chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. Now, how many people have not gone to Bible college, but you still know escaping God is not going to happen? Right? You don't need to go to seminary for that. You just know what you know about God as much as you know or as little as you know. You cannot escape God. He kind of knows everything. And we're going to kind of look at this story from Jonah. I don't know how long you've been in church or if you're brand new to church, but I'm just going to assume most of us kind of know this epic story of Jonah, right? Jonah is this, this prophet. He, his whole job is to hear from God. That's his job. He's a prophet. So he hears from God and delivers the message. And, and God gives Jonah a pretty clear message. And it's a simple message. The message is, go and deliver my message. And sometimes I, I find that even though the message can be simple, the task can be difficult. How many people know that? And we know that the story, Jonah kind of, he, as I just mentioned, goes in the opposite direction. Big storm kind of because he's chosen to ignore God. Now he can't hear the voice of God. So God uses a big storm to kind of grab the attention of Jonah. And that'll preach just in and of itself. But we're not going to camp there this morning. But long story short, throw him overboard, fish kind of gulps him and uh, then delivers him to the place that God needs him to be. We all on board still. And then it goes on to say this in, in uh, chapter 3, sorry, yeah, chapter 3 of, 
uh, verse 1, it says this, Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Everyone say a second time. Come on, I want everyone to say it. I don't want want the front row. Come and say second time. time. That's like a little preacher trick to get everyone involved. And you failed that trick. So I'll have to do it again. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time and said, Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh and deliver the message I have given you. How many people know the message hasn't changed? But something about the circumstances changed. This message is the same. But something about the circumstances has shifted. It says, verse 3, This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large it took three days to see it all. I want to share a sermon with you today that I've entitled F-Words. F-Words. Settle, settle down. F-words. You have no idea what I'm talking about. Actually, it makes you guilty the way you're laughing right now. You naughty people. F words. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for this time together. And Lord, we know you have a specific word for us. Lord, we know it's from you. And God, I pray that we would just prepare our hearts to receive it right now. Lord, that you would enlarge our hearts. God, through this day, God, in this, in this time that you want to expand us, God, I pray that we would be open to being expanded. God, we would be open to being increased. And God, I pray that you would do the work that you need to do in our life. Jesus, we love you and we praise you in your mighty name. Amen. Amen. Quick question kind of before I dive into it this morning. Uh, I'd like to know, just so I can kind of make, get everyone just to, to guess, connect with the message, and I want to make sure I'm talking to the right crowd. How many people have, at one time or another in their life, have been completely terrified? Anybody? I'm not just talking like scared, mildly surprised. I'm talking like terrified. Good, 100% of us. Good. I... I feel that the most terrifying things, and I've experienced a lot of scary things in my life, but for me, the most terrifying thing I've ever done in my life is a thing called street witnessing. Anybody know street witnessing? Street witnessing was this terrible thing that I had to do when I, was, I grew up in a youth ministry that was a pretty radical youth ministry. And uh, I, was, I was kind of put on the leadership stream. And a part of the leadership stream was that we had to commit every single Friday night to go street witnessing. Now, I didn't even know how my parents allowed. I was like 15 at the time. And I, my, my parents weren't those kind of parents who just said, yeah, do what you want. Like my parents were, were pretty, pretty full on. And so my parents, they, I don't even know how to this day they allowed me to do it because street witnessing meant from 11 p.m. till 2 a.m. They would drop us, my youth pastor, he would drop us in the middle of the nightclub district and he would just say, I'll pick you back up at 2 a.m. And this, this is even before the revelation of the buddy system. All right. You know, safety in numbers. No, this was like go on your own. You know what I mean? And so we had all we were given is a whole bunch of tracks that we had to kind of hand out and hopefully use that as an opportunity for an open door to talk about Jesus. Because in that moment at 1 a.m. when they're partying hard, that's really what they want to hear. And the only people out between 11 p.m. and 2 a.m. are either way too drunk to comprehend or they're predators and they just want to mug you. Shine your light for Jesus, you know. And I, I hated it. I hated it. I was terrified. Every time they dropped me off, I'd be like, oh, okay, right. And then they'd, they'd pull away and then all of a sudden everything got darker, you know. 
I'm like, man, I'm, I'm out here. And I, I would just, I was way too, like, feel guilty just to throw away the track. So I would, I'd kind of go into, into safety places. I'd go into, like, a shopping area and I'd, like, hand out tracks. And I'm thinking, man, this is, like, this is pointless. Even, this was so bad that they wouldn't let us take our wallets with us in case we got mugged. But what they would give us, they'd make sure we took $5 so that you give them something. Because that's the Christian thing to do. And I hated it. I was like, I was terrified. Every Friday I'd pretend to be sick so that I could stay home. But mum and dad just for some reason thought, if I'm doing the Lord's work, I'm going to be safe. But there were some, some crazy times. I mean, I, I got an education in that period. I, I learned all levels of crazy, all right? In you know, that time of the night, crazy people come out. And the only one time where I had a little bit of success was this one particular night where this, this guy who wasn't, he wasn't that old kind of middle, middle-aged kind of guy who... He had a little bit to drink, but at least he wanted to engage in a conversation. And so we're having a conversation this one time. We're sitting down on this bench, and, and, and I, I, was, I was quite fascinated because everything I was saying, he was, he was really taking in. And I thought, maybe I've been wrong about this street witnessing thing. Maybe, maybe there is some fruit in here. So I'm, I'm kind of going for it, and, and he's just getting really sincere with me. And, and as I'm talking about, you know, like Jesus' plan for him, he, Jesus has got a bigger plan than what he's living right now and all this sort of stuff, he, he kind of dips his head and he, he starts to cry. And I'm thinking, man, I'm onto something here. You know how you have those two-person thoughts, and like you're saying something, but you're thinking something different? I'm like, man, this is actually working. Wow. And I'm like, I'm going for it even more, and I'm, I'm starting to preach, and I'm thinking, I'm so bold right now. I'm like, if anybody else wants to hear, come and gather. Except there was no one around. It was just me and him. And he's like, I'm thinking, man, he's like, he's like nodding his head. And I'm thinking, man, he's really taking this in. And I'm like, you know what? Here's, here's the truth right now. We can make a decision. We'll change your life. And as I said that, he just kind of leans onto my shoulder a little bit. I said, would you, would you like to make this decision? I get no response. I say, how about it? Like, I'm asking you a question. Would you like to make this decision? And I realized when I paused long enough, he wasn't actually crying. He was snoring. <laughs> He had fallen asleep during my conversation and now was slumped on my shoulder. So I spent the next hour because I didn't want to move. I'm just letting him have a sleep and I'm just like patting him until the bus came. And I went back, got him back on the bus. But how many people know that there are times when you think like you're doing something great for God and then a reality will come in that will ground your faith? How many people know that? This is kind of Jonah. Jonah was a, he was a prophet. Jonah was a, a man of God. Jonah heard from God. Jonah got God. And I, I often think this, that, that we feel, and if, if only God spoke to me clearly, then that would be enough. We often feel like if God just gave me a clear message, and that would be all I need, I'm going to go out and do what God has called me to do. I, I'm telling you that's not the case, friend. Or often we think that God is not going to give me more than what I can handle, or God is not going to give me something that I wouldn't want to do. You haven't read your Bible. Often you know it's God because it means you have to get uncomfortable for Him. Often you know God's called you to do something because it means I've got to get out of my comfort zone. And so we've got Jonah here. And I love it when we read stories like this, you know, because so often, if you're anything like me, you'll read a story in the Bible and you kind of look at Jonah and you go, man, that joker, that guy's running from God. What a fool, you know. He thinks he can escape God. That's what we think. That's how we read it. But before we get a little too tough on Jonah, 
Let me kind of paint the picture to what God was really asking him. God was asking Jonah to deliver a message of judgment to a city that was big city, but Nineveh was known throughout the world as a very, very violent city. Nineveh was that that city where some of the the, uh, commentaries say and they list that in Nineveh, one of the the habits of Nineveh or one of the things, the rituals they would do when they would capture victims, they would actually skin them alive. They would take their their lips off them and and make them walk around with with no lips. Like this is is the city that, that God's saying, Jonah, go and tell them they're about to die. When you put things in perspective, right? Have a little bit more weight. And so God has kind of called Jonah to, to go and prepare the way, go and preach a, a sermon, go and take a message. I feel like this at times, when we're, we're talking about vision this month, and in two Sundays' time, we're, we're going to be revealing the vision. And as your pastor, I've got this, this weight to get us vision ready. I want to get us in a, in a headspace where we can be faith-filled, where we can have a, a faith space. Because I know that sometimes vision, vision has to be big. If, if vision isn't big, I'm going to guarantee you it's not from God. Because vision has to be big enough where we need God to get involved. That's, how, that's, how, that's what vision is. And when we talk about vision, vision is painting the picture of the future reality that we will exist in. So when we get somewhere as a church, it's not going to be the first time we see it because we've seen it in the vision. Are you here? And so sometimes we need to get faith filled to receive the vision. Because the vision can either be inspiring or it can be intimidating. I I, I would tell you right now, if, if Josh, one of our resident extremists, came to you this morning and said, Hey, how about tomorrow we go and climb Half Dome? You know where Half Dome is, right? In Yosemite, it's like a cliff. If he come to you and said, hey, how about we go and climb Half Dome? Are you, in, are you in? Now, your response is going to be determined by some factors. It's going to be determined by your, your skill level of, of climbing, and it's going to be determined by your past experiences in climbing. So you're either going to be intimidated by the proposal or inspired by the proposal. Sometimes before the proposal comes or sometimes before the vision is outlaid, sometimes we need to ready ourselves to get over some past hurts, to get over some past failures, get over some past experiences with to do with vision, to do with faith, so that we can be in a place where we're inspired by the vision, not intimidated by the vision. So I want to do something this morning, and I want us to take a look at... Uh, some, some oppositions to our faith. Last week we looked at uh, some characteristics of, of reckless faith. This morning I want to look at just two oppositions to what could be audacious faith. And our first opposition, I want you to take notes this morning. First opposition, I believe, to audacious faith is fear. Fear can be a big opposition. Fear overcame Jonah. God asked him to do something and fear overcame him. And, and I feel that, if anything, Jonah had the, the wrong attitude towards God. Because Jonah had an, an attitude that, that resounded and came from a, a place of fear. 
Now, what we know about fear is fear lies beyond our ability. Are you with me? Fear doesn't lie within what I'm able to do. I'm very confident in what I'm able to do. So the realm of fear lies beyond the realm of my ability. I just want to make sure you're with me. I know you're looking at me like stunned mullets right now, like deer in headlights. I'll go slower if we need to. But I need to understand this, this basic fact that the fear comes from something that's beyond my control. When something's out of my ability, when something's out of my control, that's that realm of, re, of fear. I, I, that realm of fear, I'm, 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 I'm fearful of that because I can't control that. But what we know as believers that beyond my control is in the realm of God's control. So, so Jonah being a man of God and hearing from God, he has the wrong attitude. He has an attitude that, man, this is too big for me, so I'm going to allow fear to dominate the perspective and determine my outcome. Fear and worry will work against faith. Fear is something that we can either allow to dominate our response or we can let it determine a different response. We, prov- we kind of provide a platform for God to overcome fear. And this is what I need you to know about faith. Faith is not the absence of all doubt. Faith really is more about the presence of more belief than doubt. Are we here? So, so if we're waiting to have no fear in life and to have no doubt about stepping out for him, and I, I love Paul and Wendy's uh, testimony, how they stepped out, that they were waiting on God to make something move, but it was not until they moved that God then made something happen. I feel like that's indicative. I feel like if they had have kept waiting, then nothing would have happened. But it was in the stepping out that then the activation came from God. That each and every time they, they stepped out. And, and you don't know this, but they, they kind of visited this church. The first Sunday they came was in pre-launch phase. And, and it was not nice. Okay? It was, it was really bad. Like, really bad. I think we had um, some random person. This is just a little... Illust- like image of what our service was like, pre-launch service. The first Sunday, Paul and Wendy rock in. And I remember it clearly. I'm like, wow, look at these incredible people. They're into our church and there's five others of us, right? And three of them are on the band, all right? And, and there was this epic moment at the end of the service. doesn't matter how many people were there. We had this incredible presence of God and that's what really, really spoke to them. But right at the end of the service, Pastor Carly, she was worshipping, and she's going for it. And all we had was Carly and a keyboard and a singer. And then all of a sudden, some random guy decided, you know what, well, you know what we need right now? What would really help this is some drums. And he walks up to the drum kit, pulls the sticks out, and starts playing drums just to enhance it. Man, you should have seen the look on Carly's face. But, but these guys... These guys, in the middle of that, that's faith, people, decided this is our church. (laughs) That's God, I'm telling you. And you know what? There's a whole heap of doubt at times. Even when you're called to step out for God, don't wait to eradicate all doubt, but have more belief than doubt. Faith is not the absence of doubt. Faith is the presence of belief that I'm going to believe. I can't work it out. I'm not be able to figure it out. I don't know exactly how it's going to turn out, but I'm going to have enough belief that God is able to make a way through. So let my faith response be my belief in Him. 
You can clap God right there. Despite the fact that I might be afraid, despite the fact, I love the despite element to our walk with God. You've got to get a despite element, despite my situations, despite my circumstances, despite the fact that I just lost my job does not determine how God is to me. Despite the fact that I might have got kicked out of my home does not determine how good God is to me. Despite all of this, God's goodness still reigns. God is still God no matter and despite what my circumstances says. I'm going to put my trust in God who not only calls us, but empowers us with, the, need, with the, the ability to fulfill that which he's called us to do. You know, and I, I mentioned this earlier, but in two weeks' time, we're going we're to articulate the vision. You guys are going to hear the vision of this church. And I know it's a, it's a vision that you can build your life around. I know it's a big vision. And depending on well, our response depends on our ability to understand that not only does God give us the promise, but just as God gives us the promise, He is also able to fulfill the promise which He promised us. Did you catch that? When God sets the vision, what God is doing is He's he's setting forth some promises. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm going to do. And when we get on board with that, the way we receive the promise is dependent on our understanding that either I'm going to be intimidated by the promise of God or the vision of God, or I'm going to be inspired by the promise of God. All of that that intimidated or inspired depends on my understanding that when God gives me a promise, that's not given to me so that I can make it happen. No, no, no. God gives me a promise, but the same God who gives me the promise is the same God that will fulfill the promise that He promised. I don't know what God's promised you in your life, but God is able to fulfill the promise that He gave you. God doesn't give you a promise and say, now make it happen. No, no, we work hard because we have a revelation of grace. We have a correct revelation of grace that that grace produces my work ethic. I work from grace, not for grace. So I still work hard when God gives me something because I I get it, as as Paul says. But, But I also get that when God gives me something, that He is the one that's going to make it happen. So my faith is not in my skill level or my ability. My faith rests in Jesus. Is this okay? Is this okay for you? No matter what he may ask me, fear is an attitude of unbelief. That's what fear is. Fear is an attitude of unbelief. You're not called to be an unbeliever. You're a believer. So when you're a believer... You believe in the God who gives the promise. That's where my belief is. Not in my circumstance. I, uh, I think about this, that in two weeks' time when we share the, the vision that God has put on our heart for this church, I, the response that I'm not so much looking for is the big cheer and the big clap as much as the response of more like a, whoa. That's, that's kind of what I feel the response is going to be. Because I, I, I can remember growing up in, in, in Newcastle in Australia, there, we have a lot of beach. And a lot of you know that um, I used to play a lot of soccer, but we used to surf more than, than do anything else. It was just a part of our culture. And 
We, we had this uh, guy, a buddy of ours, who, who's a Spanish guy, and he's, his dad was named Juan, Juan Torres. He was like just this godly man. Like he, was, he, he didn't speak English, but he was godly. And I could tell because he would, he would, he would say that his, his son would tell us that he, because he would pick us up at 5 a.m. in the morning before school, and we'd go to the beach and we'd go surfing before school, and he would just sit in the car the whole time. And I'd be like, man, is he sleeping? Like, and he's like, no, he's praying. I just knew he was a godly man because it takes a godly man to pick up four guys every morning and take them surfing, right, at 5 a.m. And I can remember we would often get to the, to the beach and we'd be so keen to see what the surf is like. We'd be just looking out the window and then, like, you know, if the surf was, was pumped, we'd be like, yeah, we'd be screaming. But then there'd be those days when you would get there and the surf was so big, it, it wasn't high fives. It was like, whoa. And you got your buddies with you, so you're not going to go, oh, I'm not going in today. It, it was just like that sense of, just give me some time. I just got to take this in. I'm, I'm about to risk my life. I just, need to, I just need to process this, you know. And my brother, he, he's, like, he was a, he's always been a way better surfer than me, way better at everything. But he, he, he would just charge. He'd just be out in the surf. And, and uh, I, I just have to, I'd have to woe for a minute, you know, just woe up. <laughs> I'd be like... <laughs> This is, this is heavy, you know. And sometimes that's what I feel like our response needs to be with God. Not, not necessarily is God always looking for the, the cheer and the overexcited response. Uh, you know, don't mistake the passion that you see here on a Sunday morning for hype. Don't, don't ever accuse this church and the excitement and the enthusiasm that you see here as, as hype or emotion. It's it's passion that comes from a deep understanding of what God has, has done in our lives, that His grace is for us, and that He loves us despite what we have done in our lives. But when God gives you something, don't feel that you always need to go, yes, I'm pumped. Because sometimes that response can be trying to, to convince yourself that you're pumped. What I often think that God wants us to do is get a bearing of the situation. And for more of the response than just be high fives, cheers, and streamers, more to be just a sense of, whoa, you would, you would choose me? You really, you really think I could, I could do that? Because what Paul says is when I think of the scope and the wisdom of God's plan, I fall to my knees. Paul's response is, I, I fall to my knees. He didn't go running around the the town high five, he just fell to his knees and God's presence was like, you would use me. You know my past. You know my beginning. And this is the thing that we need to know about God, that he is, in Hebrews 13, it says he is the author and the finisher of our faith. That not only does he give us stuff, he is, not only is he the architect of our life. He is also the foreman, the builder, and the finisher of our life, of our faith. So when we get something from God, when God gives us a promise, our response doesn't need to be just that instant. I'm telling you, if, if, if it's not a woe, I, I, I would just urge you to go back to God and say, God, did I hear it right? Because God will call you to step out of the comfort zone. God will call you to step beyond the, the comfortable, play it safe, I'm just going to impact those and those around me. What if God was calling you to, to be a generous person? 
I don't know about you, but generosity isn't a natural response of humankind. It's a characteristic of God, but it's not a characteristic of man. The characteristic of man is to, to hold on and to hold tight, but a characteristic of God is to let go and to lavish. What if God was calling you to be generous? That means get uncomfortable for him to, to release. What if God is calling you to be an inviter? What if the whole reason you're in your workplace is not just to earn a paycheck, maybe you're in that workplace to invite your boss to the house of God, to, to invite your colleagues. Now, I'm talking crazy, I know. I'm talking crazy that you would invite your boss, that, that guy that signs your paycheck. But just, just, just imagine, just for a moment, that what God is calling you is less of a high five in the person next to you and more of a whoa. God, you, you want me to do this. We know the story. The story goes on. Jonah has an incredible encounter with a crazy, crazy fish that swallows him and spits him up. And I feel like the, the first point, well, the first opposition to faith is fear. The second opposition to audacious faith is failure. See, the theme of Jonah is not God's judgment as much as it's about a God of second chance. You can often read the book of Jonah as a God of judgment. Come on, deliver my message of judgment to to a city, but you've actually missed the whole theme of Jonah. More than a a theme of God commanding his judgment on on a wicked city, it's actually about a heart of a God towards a servant. That even though the servant rejects God, God still goes after the servant. Are we here? Is this okay? I'm going to get the keys to come back. This is not just a story of God's heart for a city too. And even God in, you might think, well, how, come, how can God be a God of grace when God wanted to destroy the, the city? God... You don't understand this. God's heart was not to destroy the city. God's heart was to stop them from destroying themselves. And so by sending a messenger shows a God of grace. By the very fact that he gave them a way out shows a God of grace. Because they were on that path of destruction. The city was so wicked and so sinful that they were on that pathway to destruction. And God being a God of grace gives them this this way out. And you know what I love the theme of this, this book ultimately is, is the relentless love of God. I, I can remember when we would go out those early mornings surfing on those big days where you'd, you didn't charge into the surf, you'd kind of stand back for, for a moment and you'd just watch. And what was always fascinating to me was just how ferocious and how quickly those waves would come. That when you, the hardest part about surfing in big surf was not surfing the wave. The hardest part was always getting out to where you can catch the wave. And you could spend 30 minutes just duck diving under wave and paddling and duck diving under wave and not moving anywhere. And, and it's tiring and it's, it's relentless. In fact, this word relentless, the imagery behind this word relentless is as a wave hits the shore. It's repeating and repeating and repeating. And since the, the day God spoke, 
waves have been lapping the shore. This is the, the love that God has for us. His love is relentless in its pursuit of us. And often we, there are times in our lives where we know God has spoken things over our lives, where God has maybe called us to do something, but you have you've stepped back. You didn't really respond to God and go for it. You can recognize there are times where you've, you've stepped back. And that failure can be a big opposition to audacious faith because you, you recognize I've got a, I've, more than a pattern of faith in my life, I've got a pattern of failure. But what you need to know this morning, and I feel this word is for you. If that's you this morning, I feel this word is for you that God's, this story is a story of God's unrelenting pursuit of a servant. More than the, the message that he wants to get out, I feel this is a, a heart of a, for a servant. He had a heart to go after Jonah. God didn't say, well, hey, I'm going to go and find someone else and use them, someone who's going to get on board with my plan. No, no, he's like, I want you, Jonah. I want you. You might not have had the faith level to receive it when I first spoke it, but the message hasn't changed. Just as the message hasn't changed, my heart for the servant hasn't changed. Come on, I'm telling you, there is so much grace in that. That even though we might feel we walk away from God, we feel like we, you know, we could feel like, man, at times I've made a decision for Jesus, but it feels like the lifestyle I've led has, has kind of been actively walking away from Him. And I can tell you, it doesn't matter how long you've walked away from God. You could have walked away from God one week, 10 years, 20 years. It doesn't matter how long you've been walking away from God. He's always only ever one step back to Him. Because God is a God who relentlessly pursues us. And wrapped up in this vision that God has for this church, a big part of that heart for this city is a heart for His servants. That God not only just wants to have a great impact through this city, the the region of Silicon Valley, God wants to develop you, His people, to outwork it through you. I love this. He says a a second time he comes to Jonah. There's got to be a bounce back effect in our lives. Come on, we need to be people who get that bounce back effect. Failure isn't falling. Failure is staying down. But by the grace of God, we can bounce back. And we can say, God, I might have been down for a moment, but I'm back and I'm stronger than ever. And I'm ready knowing that it's not, before I thought it was in my ability. Before it was about fear and what I, what I cannot do. It was fear outside of my control. But, but now I've learned something that just as your love pursued me, just as your love came after me, that your love also goes before me. And that if you've given me a word, it's not me that has to perform it. You are able to perform the word that you've given me. And this morning, I feel we need to get a revelation of that love that pursues us. I want everyone just to close your eyes right across this place. I love what one commentator says about this passage. It says, just as the wickedness 
of that city had not abated. Neither had the mercy of God and his forgiveness had not relented. God has an unrelenting pursuit of us. Thank you for listening to today's message. We trust you heard from God and that you're more encouraged, more refreshed, and more in love with Jesus than you were before. If you ever find yourself in the Bay Area, we'd love for you to come and attend a service. For more information about C3SV, please visit www.c3sv.com.